At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Growth on the other side of discomfort, on the other side of pain, uh, go toward the fear, go toward the pain. Go toward the growth because when you're comfortable, you're not afraid. And when you're not afraid, <laughs> you're a little too comfortable. And I, yeah. I, I, now it's easy to say, it's easy to say that that place is hard to leave, Carrie, because it's, <laughs> a, it's a destination. And I'd been single all my life. So I had 30 years of savings as a single man. And I had plenty of journalism bona fides and I had opportunities and it was still, still scary to leave. Scary to former colleague, current ship leaver, <laughs> mothership leaver, Dan Lebitard joins us on this edition of Naked. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A., I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Welcome back to Naked, everyone. I appreciate you guys letting us pay some bills and getting into today's show. Today's show will be pretty interesting in terms of information that is being revealed. Uh, I have, as mentioned, former colleague at ESPN, Dan Lebatard, current ship lever. We have left the ship. Dan is doing well. No surprise there. But we get into it. We get into the fear of us leaving those four letters and why we decided to leave. Uh, Dan is very, very clear about why he had to leave. He says it was played out in public. Yes, you know, it was played out in public. But Dan also is just very honest about how difficult it was for him to make that decision. 
I mean, look, he was there for 30 years. That's three decades. ESPN is a destination. All the things that Dan has discussed before on his show, um, he gets into it with me here. Uh, But we talk about the why of it all, the why we get so insecure, the why we get so uncomfortable, the why we had to do it and do it scared. I'm just going to let this play out. No editing. Here it is. All for you. The great journalist, bona fide journalist, sports journalist, funny man himself. You can catch his podcast, obviously. Dan Lebatard. I do want to pick up with, and I might have no train of thought in terms of where I'm going, but I'm looking at what's happening with your career as you have left ESPN. And I wanted to know, the last time we spoke, you said you had no idea about these people who wanted to be in business with you. And then you announced this huge deal. Was that going on while we were talking? Was that in the mix when we were chatting? Carrie, that happened in three and a half weeks, the giant deal. We were negotiating with a whole lot of people about what the podcast could be and where to put it. And then we realized after many months of negotiations that we could probably do a version of trying it ourselves that allowed us to be totally free to not have to be monogamous to a legacy media partner, to just be the legacy media partner for someone else. So we that, that came together with DraftKings very quickly. And so no is the answer to your question. I didn't have any secret stealth deal. Uh, when we left ESPN, we left not knowing exactly how it was going to go. Oh, God. How beautiful is that, Dan, when you do it scared? What about that, Dan? It's funny that you should say that, right? Because I've done some learning later in life with some wisdoms that I just didn't have access to when I was younger. And the very idea that there can be, it just eluded me, growth on the other side of discomfort, on the other side of pain, uh, go toward the fear, go toward the pain, go toward the growth. Because when you're comfortable, you're not afraid. And when you're not afraid, <laughs> you're a little too comfortable. And I, 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 now it's easy to say, it's easy to say that that place is hard to leave, Carrie, because it's a, it's a destination And I'd been single all my life. So I had 30 years of savings as a single man. And I had plenty of journalism bona fides and I had opportunities and it was still scary to leave. Can you believe that? Can we talk about that for a a second? For where it is, all of us wanted to arrive with our vanities, with our insecurities, because they would make you matter. They would give you the bona fides. They would give you the reach of television and those four letters behind your name. And it sort of masked wherever it is that you felt fraudulent. They knighted people and they made them matter. And when that's the standard that you're getting to and you get to the standard and you're living inside the standard and you look around and you're like, well, I need something more. This is not quite enough. I need something to feel. I need my experience with my workday. This late in life, right? Because I'm making choices for what represents the end of my career, this late in life, with the wisdoms accrued over a lifetime, I, I when I got this is funny to say, Carrie, because I could have never imagined it at any point in my life. But when yeah. I got to the sports reporters, Times Square, Sunday morning, the height of whatever print journalism was at the time to be on television on ESPN at the bottom rung of the ESPN ladder, 
When I got there, it was the top of my profession. I looked around, uh, you know, it smelled like an old bar, Times Square, late at night, a little bit of urine, little vomit. The chairs looked like they were 20 years old. Many of them were on the tables from the night before, a dirty night in Times Square of drinking. There are a handful of bagels and Bob Ryan and doesn't smell too good. And Lupica's telling me <laughs> that, that my tie needs to be better. And I'm there and I'm like, this can't be the top. This this is the place I've been trying to get to all my life. And it feels a little smaller than I imagined. It it ended up happening with us at ESPN, where at the end, it felt uh, it felt like things were closing in on us in a way that was small and we wanted to be something bigger. Um, do you want to get into specifics or not? I mean, we can go wherever you want to with this. It, it, it the, the ending was very public. Like, I'm very grateful, Carrie, to everything that ESPN did for us because they... They validated us, but you, you saw everything that happened over the summer. You've seen everything where their conflicts are on the race stuff, on the politics stuff. You saw a, a corporate statement that went out, hashtag one team. Uh, and then all of a sudden people were allowed to talk about social issues because it was a pandemic and stuff that we weren't allowed to talk about. We were allowed to talk about it. And all of that just felt uh, different than the reason I was hired. I was hired to be a fire starter. I was hired to talk about some of the difficult stuff and the country changed and the company changed and the country's president changed and the company's president changed. And what didn't change is the reason I was hired. And what didn't change is that I was going to be my most authentic voice and self. And everyone saw what happened after that. So we left amicably and I don't have hard feelings toward ESPN. They helped make us. They helped make us bigger and they gave us our stuff and let us leave. And so it was a mutually beneficial relationship for as long as it was a mutually beneficial relationship. And then they got out of the business of being, you know, near the headlines with this political stuff and racial stuff around us. And so we left. That's interesting that you say you, you left amicably because I did not. I feel a way. You know what I mean? And I'm not mad, but I feel a way because... I rang the bell. I, I alerted. I, I went to Jimmy and said, you got a real problem here. There are people that you work for that are not that are not in the business of taking care of people of color, uh, especially women. Uh, this was in 2020. And he's like, well, you know, and he just, you know, kind of brushed it under the rug and said, I got a list. To, if you got a pen and paper here, I'll write down some names. And I said, Jimmy, I'm not giving you any names. You know who I'm talking about. Now, with that being said, you left in a way that was respectable. I can't say that everybody had that same luxury, but you also earned it. But I think everybody earned it, Dan. When you walk away with all of your items, with all of your your rights, and you go on, and you of course you're not bitter because look, you're getting paid more and doing what you want to do. But do you see the inequity that exists in that company? I would say that what you just saw happen and I'm sure you were looking at this very closely with everything related to Rachel Nichols and Maria Taylor and the public mm -hmm. mess that that was as Maria Taylor was someone who behind the scenes was doing the same kind of advocating that you were and having and enduring some of the same kinds of frustrations that you felt and was trying to find her voice and trying to be heard and feeling like she was landing short of where she wanted to and eventually leaves that company because of it, what Rachel Nichols was complaining about on that private audio that, private. that represented a sentiment that you shouldn't say in public, but she didn't say 
in public and mm-hmm. a sentiment that any of us with any ambition can understand the humanity in it. If you're saying, well, we're only allowed one space for a woman and now we've got to choose because there can't be multiple spaces between Maria and Rachel. And then you get mm-hmm. into real estate and ego and protection of turf and all that stuff. What I yeah. want, what, what can't be ignored because it's too obvious. And if you care about these things, it's something you can't unsee. Maria Taylor is no longer at ESPN. Rachel Nichols soon will no longer be at ESPN. But what Rachel Nichols was complaining about in the thing that got you to her, that is still at ESPN. She was complaining your crappy record on diversity is not going to be something that you fix on my watch. And now Malika Andrews takes over at 26 years old. And I wonder, and I imagine you wonder as a friend of Jamel Hill's, do you want black voices or do you want black faces? Do you want they want black faces? They do not want black voices. That's 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 clear um, because it's too uncomfortable. I was told that this is before all of this was announced. Like, you know, they there were people calling me asking me, was I interested in coming back? And but very clear about what I wouldn't be getting if I did come back. The same thing exists. And I was like, well, why would I want to do that? Thank you for, I don't know. Because the reality is what you just said is that they gave us a name, they gave us a platform, and that allowed us to, they validated us, and that allowed us to move on. So I will never take that for granted, and I will mention that. What I will talk about is the sentiment that you circle back to running towards your fear and learning now this late in life that that should always be the case because there's so much liberation. Do you miss any aspect of that platform? It feels untethered the way that we're doing it now. The amount of responsibility, the amount of daily obligations that I have that I did not have before. I loved, Carrie, I can't, <laughs> I loved just showing up, talking into a microphone and seeing that direct deposit. Like that's what I, that's what I loved. Uh, the, <laughs> The, the rest of it didn't have the responsibility. I was always fooling around. I was somebody who was doing a show with my father. But, you know, I was doing stuff that was silly and didn't have any of these real responsibilities of making sure that our employees have health care and talking to accountants and attorneys and all the stuff that you have to do when building a business that I this is where my fear resides. It's the stuff it's, it's I've had such fascinating conversations with my wife about this because She's like, you're good at this. And I'm like, I don't want to be good at this. It's not interesting to me. I don't want to do the the stuff that's conquering and ambitious CEO stuff. I just want to giggle snort with my friends. And I did that for a long time at ESPN for many years in a way, Carrie, that you guys, I, I was so fascinated by this because we had the blessing and the curse of being yep. out from under the confinements of corporate structure. And all of you gravitated toward we were every independent thinker at the company. Every talent was like, wait a minute, how do I get near or close to that? Why are they allowed to go somewhere and they don't have to come out on a studio and stand on a spot? They can paint outside the lines. It was fascinating to me and I didn't understand it for many years. I did not understand why so many people at ESPN were like, well, wait a minute. That looks like that playpen down there is more fun. I want to do, oh, yeah. I want to throw some of that sand and feces at each other and just giggle with my friends. Yeah. 
you no, you you nailed it. We would watch in the morning. Uh, you from when we got done with Sports Center, and I would talk to my APs and we're like, "What a great show! Oh, it's a great show!" Like we we watch smiling and laughing and wondering how do we get that freedom? Because on the outside looking in, we knew there was that freedom. But what you said that the the country changed. Our president at the at the company changed. Our president of the world of the country changed. Not only the company but the country. And so now we find ourselves in this position. I look at, and I agree with you, there are things you definitely miss. I had this conversation actually with Rich Eisen at the Olympics, and there are things that you do miss. Um, however, the the responsibility that you talk of, I don't like it either. I don't like that part of it. But what's invaluable is knowing what you can build and that sky's the limit. I'm out here to get all this white guilt money, Dan. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm here to take all of these little dollars that they're giving out. <laughs> Harry, you know that you're at the top of the food chain. I know as somebody who's now doing hiring and as I see Jamel, one of our advisors, getting the chance of a lifetime with Spotify because you're talking about white guilt money. And this does not mean that Jamel doesn't earn every dollar of that. But when you start hiring and giving a bunch of money to, to Simmons and Rogan, you look around and you're like, I need to find some women of color and some diversity in here that can give me some multiple voices. And so Jamel's been given... Five million dollars to find and cultivate those black voices, those black female voices. And I like you're at the top of the food chain there. And it's funny. It's funny that you describe it that way, because, you know, you 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 and Jamel will be able to empower those young, young next voices because the industry needs them right now. You know, here's what I hope. Here's my hope, right? As we talk about getting this money and we look for these voices, Jamel and I obviously are working on projects together. You're working with Jamel. We all have our hands in something. Like we are true entrepreneurs now, which we were forced to become, whether reluctantly or whether we wanted to, we had to do that. Once we got out here in this freelance world, we were like, oh, is this okay? Now hire this person, hire that person. The re- what I hope is that they find their voices early. I hate you mentioned Malika getting the job. And I think, gosh, she's so young. This is going to be a really tough situation for her. Because she's, she's great. Want she is great. And but she's tw- great 20, on air, but she's going to want to feel something, you know, and she's going to want to say something because they what they what the problem is, is that you, once you get this responsibility, you all you often want to talk about it. And you're being told, don't do that. For years, I was told and at ESPN, don't, don't, you know, but the advice was don't do that. Don't do that. You know, from others that were quote unquote successful. Don't say that. You should keep that to yourself. You're a troublemaker. Don't, you're always being told to just be careful and be patient. But the time is now, Dan. And, and I look at what you've been able to accomplish. And I, and my, my question, as you move on to this next level, do you see Another evolvement of Dan Lebetard and the Lebetard show. Do you see something else coming? Because I know you just talked about not loving certain responsibilities, but I feel like there's just so much more. I'm happy that you see that for me. I (laughs) hope that the next evolution of our careers involves growth that will have writing in it and other stuff that is beyond what we've been doing here or two decades, a success for me, Carrie, honest to God on this is simply building a company that can employ all of these family and friends and loved ones and laughter that I have around us for years to come beyond me, mm-hmm. beyond uh, whatever it is that I'm doing with uh, this part of my career. I don't want to be doing this 10 years from now exactly like this. I wouldn't mind 
being someone who helps cultivate others so that they can do it. And that's, that's real legacy stuff. If you follow love and laughter and you keep empowering people, you mentioned, you asked me what I missed. I miss my friends over there. I miss Mina and Dominique and Bomani and Pablo and all the people who helped make our show uh, so vibrant and so rich because we can fool around with them. People who became like all of us here, family and friends while we were doing it because, uh, because we were enjoying it. So I haven't really, I'm, I'm so immersed in the details that are just all consuming and a little bit overwhelming of the day that I don't know exactly what it's going to look like in five years, but I'm hoping that what it looks like is all of these young people who we have uh, empowered helping us age with grace as we, you know, hand, hand this stuff over to them. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. That sounds beautiful. What about, can I talk to me about how's the family doing? How's your dad doing? I mean, is he missed? I mean, cause I miss him. <laughs> my, my father, it's been, it's been interesting to watch, right? Because this has been, uh, it's the greatest blessing of my professional life to have spent these years getting a little closer to my father on television by having a connection point that I'm not even sure we had in childhood where we could, where I could age with him on television. He'd be a kind of a sitcom dad and people would watch and be confused because there's not an adult son having a real relationship with his grandfather aged father on television. And so it was just a blessing to do all of that. But my father is, uh, he just turned 78 a couple of weeks ago and the daily grind of it was hard for him to come in, even though he needed the routine. And even though my mother at home is like, oh my God, your dad is now home all the time and just shuffling around because he doesn't have this, this thing to do. Uh, my father was very tired uh, by the end of it. So he is well, and my father's enjoying his retirement and he's enjoying shuffling, shuffling around. But uh, once you get close to 80, I don't know that, well, at the very end, he was the boss. He walked away and he's like, I don't, you know what he did, Carrie? This is a real thing. We, if people thought it was a bit. It was not a bit. My father was threatening to quit if they did not pay him better. Okay. My father threatened to quit. And so they paid him better and they called him on his bluff. They did not think that he did not think that they were actually going to pay him better. So he had to stay there for a little bit longer. It was sort of a holdout that wasn't a principle. He just wanted to stop doing the show because he, he was tired. He was just yeah. tired. That's it. He's an old man who's tired. <laughs> it like, is. I, it's I'm, unbelievable. I'm, he's like, I'm all set. He's like, I'm not, I'm not, I, I, I want give me, I'm tired. When you think of your friends that you miss, um, do you plan to bring them on in some capacity? I mean, that's the hope, right? That you oh, because I mean, you are, you, you, you said something I think is important last, and I want to say this for our listeners. I think a lot of people were able to not necessarily ride, but benefit from your success because you, they were an integral part of your team and your show. Highly questionable was something that provided a lot of platforms for diversity voices who wanted to branch out a little bit. Uh, L. Duncan was somebody who wanted to say things. And so all of those people carry that and will continue to carry that on whatever the iteration is that exists on the Internet going forward. I think they're calling the, the show debatable, which sort of goes against the spirit of everything that we tried <laughs> to achieve there as they continue to just extinguish all the things we are just reducing a show with me and my father about silliness. And we're not going to argue and it's not going to be debate television to at the very end. The legacy of it is this duck fart conclusion on ESPN plus uh, called debatable. 
Bible of all things, which runs contrary to almost my every principle. At least uh, those people got to have those voices. It was a decade, Carrie. You got to hear from some of the brightest voices at ESPN doing stuff that was broad and socially relevant and that no one else at ESPN was doing with that kind of range. Uh, You got to see that exist for a decade at ESPN, and I'm very proud of that. You let people who you say the brightest voices at ESPN, I'd say in sports and you let them and you let them develop. Right. Because, you know, that's what his and hers was for so long with Jamel and Michael. It, it was a place where people who weren't getting a lot of attention could go and develop. And Barry, I thought better. I was going to be doing that for 15 years. I thought I was going to be a minor leagues for their diverse talent. For, wow. for 20 years. That's what I thought. That's what I that's what I thought I was there to do. It's what Skipper it's what Skipper wanted me to do at ESPN. It's what I did after Skipper. It's what I did after my father left. I think I don't know this for sure, but I think everybody who sat next to my father, except for Stugatz and emergencies and Hank Azaria as Brockmeyer. I think <laughs> every time there was someone sitting next to my father, it was either uh, a minority or a woman. I'm pretty sure it was sure. very, it was very, it was, it was sure. <laughs> There's symbolism in this. Okay. Their most diverse show, which was a half hour is no longer on television replaced by Max Kellerman as they've doubled it up to an hour after the summer, after the summer of George Floyd. Like that's, I'm not even, that's just, that's on brand. That's what, what I'm not, I'm not criticizing it. I'm just saying this is absolutely. So it's just factually matter of fact, what happened? It's interesting because when Skipper left, John Skipper was the president of ESPN for a very long time. And when Skipper left, I think that was the end of 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 programming, of content, right? Because that was his thing. He really enjoyed co- creating content. And I think that we we watched as a rehash of everything else and let's go backwards and let's try it this way, but let's, you know, build off of this format. It's really interesting that no one is saying, hey, this is an issue, but they're living, as you said, off of the four letters in live programming. The four letters validate you. And, 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 and I don't want this to be a bitch session, you know, but maybe it is. But the four letters give you this, give me this opportunity to walk in rooms and people say she she can talk about sports. She can talk about other things. But I also know your show allow people to have this range. Like it wasn't just I'm teeing up questions on first take or I'm just reading highlights on SportsCenter. There's range, there's personality, they're funny, they're clever. And with the absence of that, how do you see how do you see the world in which we live in today, sports? Because to me, sports is still so black and white. You're, it's very few people such as yourself in sports or in what we do, because it's not just sports, the intersection of everything that has sports around so, uh, as, at the center. How do you see this business moving forward? Carrie, it's crazy to me because all it is that we provided for anybody within this entertainment environment in the content business is a safe space in sports, right? Games, fun, escape. I tell you sports, game, fun, escape. It doesn't have to be a cathedral. doesn't have to be sacred. doesn't have to be serious. doesn't have to be perfect all the time. All it is that we provided, our greatest gift secret to environment is you can be your most authentic self here. You can yeah. you could tear down the veneer of television, the places where it's not humanizing, and it's just come be yourself here. Mina Kimes is a star, indisputably a star. She can uh, make it wherever it is she wants to make it, but 
we gave her permission. She says this. I learned how to do that there. I, I was allowed to be myself, goofy and weird and falling apart and unprofessional. And it was humanizing and the yeah. people and the people liked it. It isn't, though. The, to me, the part that's stupefying about it, though, Carrie, is like, how can we be unique in that regard? Look at the world. We're at Disney. It's a fairy tale land. It is the escape. It's play. It's games. It's sports. How can we be the weird ones? Because we're just saying, hey, isn't this fun? Isn't all of this goofy and fun and wonderful? And also it makes us think sometimes. And we talk about the deeper stuff when it makes us think. But come on, everybody join me in the circus tent. No, you don't want to. No, come on, everybody over here. No, you want to stay over there? It was just weird. It still doesn't make any sense to me. So when you say, what's it going to look like in the future? Well, I think the Mannings are about to show us. I think we're about to change some of these things. Like, can you become this intimate thing where I feel like I'm sitting around with my friends? You can take some chances. You can, you can play, you can do the playground, but as it regards to ESPN, I I think they're just going to pay five or six people eliminate the middle class when it comes to talent, right? Mm -hmm. Five or six people at the top, the middle class will be gone. And then a bunch of disposable pieces everywhere. ESPN doesn't have any real known competitors, so they can continue to do it that way while partnering with the big streaming places and do UFC and do SEC football and do, you know, big sporting event things, big live sporting events, which is Carrie. It's the only thing you look across the entire streaming industry. The only thing people have to be where they need to be. No on demand. I need to watch this now when it happens is the live yeah. sporting events they care about that has enormous value. They don't need to, they don't need to pay for anything else. That by itself is enough for a giant business. Man, do I love him. How much do I love Dan Lebatard? When we come back, he's with us and he's still giving out truth. TH truth. Back in a moment. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment. Connected with. At Bed 365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. 
the war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome back. So we're here with Dan Lebatard, just by way of background. Uh, you know he worked at ESPN for a very long time. You remember the shows that he had on television. You remember his radio show. He still has his podcast, as mentioned. But probably not long after he left ESPN and it was announced, Dan and I, as you have heard, discussed the opportunities that were out there. And one of the biggest opportunities that that was publicized for Dan was an agreement between DraftKings and Metalark Media. It's three years, uh, reportedly worth $40 million, um, 40 to 50. I'm not getting into his money. That's up to him. But his show will now be on different platforms, including radio, television, podcasts, and social media. Uh, and he's just living his best life. It's everywhere. You can see that was something I was reading. You can see him everywhere. I'm so, so, so happy for him. And he deserves it all. But we get into where we are now as people, how we've been able to change so late in life when we thought we were staying in one direction and the direction goes somewhere else. Take a listen. Streaming is the future and it's, it's current. It's this. I agree with you. No one's, I don't know when the last, you know, you don't watch TV unless you need to watch a game. I literally, and you can turn, you can tune in. When we covered the Olympics, we had a, uh, on Peacock, it was streaming. We had, um, uh, the basketball, USA basketball. So it was, it forced people to go and download or this app and purchase it for $5 because you just want to watch it nine times out of 10, you're going to keep it, right? It was, the subscriptions were through the roof. Streaming is where everything is. And I think the reality though of, of us allowing people to be more authentic, although we may not see it in certain cases, that is it. I don't think anybody's paying to, you look at the, you talk about Peyton. I, I, I love that he had a red solo cup. That's the first thing I noticed because I'm queen of a red solo cup. Listen, I'm, I'm looking at the clock like, when is it noon? I need my red solo cup, damn it. I, I would love, <laughs> I would love to have been able to work there and have a red solo cup and he's just sipping on it while swinging the game. <laughs> is that not beautiful? Is that not a beautiful thing? It is, but instead you just got stuck between Stephen A. and Skip, and they let you <laughs> and they let you say four words every hour while paying every you, other hour while paying you one one hundredth of what one one thousandth of what they were you making. Want, you want to hear a crazy story? One time when I was working there, I don't know how this happened on accounting, but I got one of their paychecks. You know how you get direct deposit, and one of I got I don't know whose it was because all of a sudden I looked at my account and I went from having two dollars. To damn near eighty five thousand dollars for the week, and I was like, hmm, "Who's this? Who, who's getting? Who's getting? Because I'm surely not getting paid eighty five thousand dollars every week. Who is getting paid eighty five thousand dollars every week at this table?" And then I, I called HR, and I was like, "Hey, do we have a problem, or did I get a raise?" And they were like, "Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know how that happened. I don't. I don't know whose paycheck that was." <laughs> I was 
was like, no lie, Dan. Like at the time, maybe I was making, I'm making up a number, 2000 every two weeks. I shit if I know, but it wasn't $85,000. <laughs> Can you imagine? Could you imagine my face when I saw that? Were you not aware of what the gentlemen near you were making? Because I don't know that they've corrected that. Early on in 2012, when I started, that wasn't known. And remember, and they, and I think Skip had a good contract, but Stephen A was still going through his contract. Stephen A wasn't making, a, I mean, in comparison back then a lot, but he is obviously, you know how that place works. You, you put in your time, you get more money. Um, anyway, having said that, I, I, I want to know something about you that I don't think that I've ever asked before. Um, I didn't get a chance to work with you in that capacity, but who are you, who are you drawn to? Like when you would have, you're obviously drawn to Jay for obvious reasons because he's so great, but how did you decide, I really like having this person on, they make me laugh or they make me think. It's funny that you should say that because I would say that over the years, what ended up happening more often than not, I love writers. I love writers who have some depth, but I think that what happened at ESPN was, I won't say it's a happy accident because there were a handful of people that we identified that we wanted just because I liked how it is that they spoke about things. But more often than not, they would somehow end up in our world because they wanted to be over here. You know, there were just sort of tentacles and connections that would make it easy. And it was more natural than just identifying talent. I'd love to take credit as some sort of grand master curator of young <laughs> talent. But what we would do is just sort of provide the Petri dish here that would create some vibrancy and it would just it would sort of lure people. I, it's somewhere between a happy accident and a design because I know Mike Ryan does identify some people that he believes should have, uh, you know, a, a spot on the show, an appearance on the show, and then it grows from there. But that's hard to tell at the beginning, Carrie, because some of them were so bad at the beginning. Like uh, some of them get to us so raw that it's not immediately. Mina was terrible at the beginning. She didn't know. Sure. And in some ways, Mina doesn't still know. The regimens of television confuse her and uh, and don't make her her best self. Uh, but we could sink into the mistakes around here. It's something I wanted to tell you. You were mentioning the content at ESPN when Skipper was there. To this day, now that he's the CEO of our company, I mean, this dude is a conqueror. This dude has relationships at the highest points in industry. But the happiest I see him is when he is talking about creative content. Now, he is somebody who reads a ton, loves museums, but he himself is not a creator. So he likes to empower them. He likes to he is better at what you're talking about than I am, which is identifying that's what he was doing when he put me in this, his whole, his whole thing at ESPN was, and you'll appreciate this part. I don't know if I've told you this before, but he worked at ESPN and he realized that there were a lot of people around him who were lifers. And he was trying to do something as someone who comes from magazines and Rolling Stone and rebellion. He's like, okay, how do I make this a little bit edgier, a little, a little bit, uh, less Bristol, less Bristol lifer. Okay. I'm going to put some outposts here in Washington. We'll make us a national company, put something in Los Angeles, go grab the writers, put something in Miami. He tried for years to change the culture of whatever it is, 4,000 employees. And was like, you know what? I'm not going to try and change everybody here anymore. I'm just going to hire a handful of fire starters. So that was my job. My job, I didn't want to work at ESPN. I was fine in Miami. My job was go start fires. See, 
see what kind of other creatives end up gravitating to you. See if you could give some people around here permission to to do what you guys were doing around the television, Carrie. It's crazy to me. I didn't know we were doing that, but I get so much of that. People in Bristol were staring at their televisions as if an alien had landed on oh, the for sure. a spaceship had landed on of the course. campus. How are they yes. allowed to do this? Why are they allowed to do this? Who allows them to do this? And now you have your answer. We were hired to do it. That's we the, the man who now runs Metal Arc as the CEO, somewhere within that, he saw in us the ability to do that and give people like Carrie Champion permission that she didn't have to exist as a postage stamp between the $89,000 a week check and whatever the check was that was bigger than that. God bless, right? You, okay, then I'm going to let you go. I know because you have so much going on, but I just, I have to say this, right? So you talk about this this uh, idea of what Skipper hired, you were, and you, you've been true to that. You were hired to be a fire starter. You, and, and when you could no longer do that, it became claustrophobic and you could not function. I personally, even to this day, but I'm starting to move out of it. Like, in fact, I'm going to say the last like six months, I've really started to really settle into it. So when people see me, for whatever reasons, they don't see me as safe. Like I'm not the safe black girl, right? Because you want to hire someone safe, safe looking. So I've been unapologetic about certain things that who I am and I'm never, and people think I, like, you know, whatever. I don't know if you're caught up in what I look like or if I wear high heels and a short skirt, that's me, f*** it, deal with it. But, you know, that has nothing to do with what I'm going to tell you. It might distract you, but that's on you. But I've been battling with myself and thinking, should I stay? Should I have stayed more safe in certain situations? Should I have made more people comfortable? But in my mind, Dan, I've been doing that my whole life as a black woman, making people feel comfortable when I want to just exist. Have you ever felt that that was your job? I wonder, do men have that same concern? Do you ever feel, not even just at ESPN currently now, in any certain situation, do I need to make people feel comfortable, safe, and and and, and step back a bit? I would say that I have been blessed with a great deal of privilege. And Carrie, I mean, we saw this so much with Highly Questionable. I can give you a thousand examples like this, but... The symbolic one to me is I'm going on the set, you know, with macaroni on my face. And when Sarah and Mina or Elle or anybody else comes through here, they have to do 90 minutes of makeup because if something's out of place, it will not matter what they said for 22 minutes before that. Somebody's going to attack. And, you know, this environment, this caveman environment can be populated by a whole lot of men who you can't tell if they love women or they hate women because mm -hmm. of how hard it is for you to make your way, like the difficulties that you have. So to answer your question, I had the great privilege of at every point being able with the power behind me to make everybody uncomfortable. And it was the job. I'm there as part as the uncomfortable journalist to make messes. And so I was empowered to do that. But I understand what you're saying and the part that must be a suffering to you as a strong black human being is that the only way some of these things change that bother you around racism is if you make the white person uncomfortable that so often if you don't make them uncomfortable you don't get anything in the way of change but you see what happens when america gets uncomfortable you see 
you've seen happen that the cry for equality sounds like a threat when you come from privilege. You know what I mean? It's not a cry for equality is not, Hey, I just want to be equal anymore. No, you're, you're making me uncomfortable by coming and trying to grab my power. Don't do that. And then we all become Rachel Nichols, right? Everybody, right. everybody, right. everybody's like, I need to protect this. Wait a minute. I understand. Yeah. I believe equality in theory, right up until you're messing with what I've always had and my privilege. And there's also this, you're right, God, what a wonderful, and by the way, thank you for acknowledging your privilege, because I think people won't, don't like that word. So I wrote, I wrote about Gabby Petito, the young lady who was missing, why I thought it was so awful and horrible. You know, I had to ask that age old question, what if she was black? Would we care? Would we have this wall to wall coverage? And, and someone told me that it was the wrong time, that I should have waited to write this. I got a lot of those responses. And in my mind, I said this, very similar to what you just said, the truth is always inconvenient whether it's in a relationship with your family, your friends, whether you're talking about money, whenever it's time to tell the truth, it's just always inconvenient. It's never a right time, right? Like, and so when we look around, you understand what your purpose is, Dan. Like you are very clear to me now. And even though you did it scared and you ran towards your fear, how much power, and maybe that's not the word, how do you feel about your purpose on earth right now on this 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 place that i because earth is ghetto right now on this ghetto ass earth how do you feel about your place here <laughs> that is uh that is a broad question um i i want to laugh and i want to love with <laughs> with, with my remaining years i want to do it at work i want to do it at home i want I want this to be like, look, I, I aspire to all the things that are change instigating and profound and legacy. And may I have all of the human success conquests uh, that people aspire to in work. But to me, I'm not lying to you when I tell you, Carrie, that the success and the achievement for me at work, at work professionally, a man can get a great deal of his identity from his work, but it yeah. is simply to be able to continue to do it with the people that I love and for them mm -hmm. to continue to be able to do it so that the reasons that I was hired at ESPN can continue to bear fruit. And we don't shut up about these things and we make people uncomfortable and we welcome them into the tent for a fun party. If you want to do that too, because we don't have to fight about these things all the time. We can just talk about them and have them be stimulating and interesting and maybe instigate some change. So that's the work answer. The personal answer is I just want to love my wife and oh. have the greatest, you know, have the greatest personal uh, experience with growth because she makes me better. She, she makes me, uh, she makes me grow. She makes me keep chasing the places that are playful and uh, also fearful. You know what you should do, speaking of playful and making you grow, you should have a dating show. You should do a couple of segments where you do a dating show and you bring on some bachelors for me and help me find a hot boo, right? Preferably with some money. Well, you, I don't know how honest you are in your spaces about talking about your uh, relationship history, but I, yeah. I, I find it hard to believe. I don't know who <laughs> you're threatening. I just find it hard to believe that this is something that plagues you. I don't. I, it, <laughs> it does plague me. Well, Dan, it's not that it's not that I'm not dating and my dance card isn't full. Like that would be a lie. Right. That would be a lie. Jamel would tell you that's a lie. What I'm saying is, but I want you to help me suss out, you know, a quality guy. You know what I mean? I think the problem of what we do for a living is that you, I can't determine what you're attracted to. Or is it, is it the, the 
because I'm not about to sit up here and, you know, do highlights while we're watching, you know, the Sunday games. You know what I mean? Um, but are men, I, inti- I men must be intimidated by you, though. Aren't you? Don't you normally? I, please tell me. Explain it to me how it is that uh, that men arrive and they want the, the sportswoman who is beautiful, but right, you right, make right. them uncomfortable with your ambitions or what what is happening there? I think that a lot of the men that I have been dating, this is a true story. My last boyfriend, honestly, he was a sweetheart, nice guy. But as my career started to rise and his career started to go the opposite way, it made him uncomfortable. Um, as I started to, pro- he was always the provider, the breadwinner, made more money. And as he started to see those things, he was happy for me, but there was this reluctant happiness. And I want someone, you know, listen, I, when I say I want someone who's gainfully employed, I'm not saying you got to you know got to be a millionaire. That'd be nice, but I want someone who is comfortable enough in their own skin, in their own identity, in their own job that doesn't feel like giving me a compliment takes away from what they do, right? Or takes away from how successful they are, and they're okay with me working with you know a lot of tall black rich men who are flirting like that. You know well, you got to be okay one, that, with that well, shit that, too. Yeah, but that okay. So all you're looking for is a confident, like a real confident man, like just <laughs> where the confidence is real, where it's not a because if man that ain't that part's not that hard, Carrie. If someone really loves you and really knows you, the ha- to have the confidence that your woman is with you and the yeah. onslaught of uh, better men, richer men, taller men, fitter men landing on your shores wouldn't matter because he's got the confidence that he's got you ensnared because you understand him, you accept him, you love him. And therefore, you're not going to be tempted by those things. But that's a big ask. Like you have to. It's, is it's that a, a big ask? It's a big ask and a small ask, right? Because all you're asking is for a man to have the confidence that his love is real. That's all, <laughs> right. So, so it's it's big and it's small. Hey, that's just love. That's where people get married. But you, you, you know, that's that. What that'll put you on the aisle when you're sitting there and you have that confidence and you don't doubt it. It's, I think that's where people say that's why she or he is the one. Because I have yeah. the confidence that 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 is that my love is yeah. real and so is hers or his as the case may be. That listen, that's a tough ask. You're you're right. And so I just confidence. I need real confidence, Dan. That's why. And if you if you listen, I'm ready to do the dating show. I'm answering all questions. All right. Well, we got to figure I'm out. Let's go. Let's get Peacock and Meadowlark to put it together and see what that dating show looks like. Let's go. Let's, I would- I would love it. And um, thank you so much. I'm going to let you go because I know you have so much to do. Thank you for always being honest and just um, setting a wonderful standard of what it should be and, and, and making me believe there are some G, what is my friend say? GWP, good white people. But it's so good. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm GBP, I think. I'm a, I, G- I still classify as brown, I think. But brown, thank you for- a GBP. But my friend will look at you and say, you ain't black. So well, that's right. Well, that is why my dad was on the show with me, right? I, that's right. I'm Dan. I don't like, my last name is French. And yes, I, I, and people so he, think I'm white. But I, yeah. know you're, I know you're brown. But I love you for who you are, Dan. Thank you so much for joining me here on Naked. I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you, Carrie. Likewise. I'm not kidding. I really want to do a show with him about my personal life. I think that'll be hilarious. But we'll see. There's so many different things that we can do, right? Nevertheless, he said something that I thought was really important. Uh, Something in our childhood, let's talk about therapy, made us feel like we had to stay where we belong. Currently, whoever is listening to this podcast probably has experienced that in some form or fashion. Wherever you are, you feel as if you should stay. It's too scary to leave Um, but you want to see, that's the key here. We both wanted to, we both felt like we had no choice. 
And that is something that relies in your own spirit. That is something that is a personal decision that has to be made by you. For me, I've been very clear. Uh, I wasn't, I didn't love what I did anymore. I, I felt muzzled. I felt restricted. I felt not valued. I didn't feel safe. Give me another adjective. For Dan, maybe it's similar. Maybe he felt all of the things I have felt plus more. Nevertheless, the message, the overall message, outside of him getting me a boyfriend, the overall message is this. (laughs) Bet on yourself. Truly believe in your talent. No matter how unsure you are of what awaits you on the other side, it will always work out. It will always be amazing. Put your ego aside and truly believe that it's up to you, that you can make it happen if you are ready to leave a situation or a circumstance that no longer serves you. And that's the key. If you are ready to leave a situation or a circumstance that no longer serves you and your spirit is rumbling and telling you you got to go, jump. I encourage you to jump. Take this huge leap of faith and bet on yourself. Again, everybody's circumstance is different, but you do know when you're being stifled. You do know when you can no longer do what you came to do. You do know when a situation doesn't serve you and it's starting to affect you mentally, spiritually, physically. You got to go. I had to go. I had to go. And I have to go. Thank y'all for listening. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.